Welcome to episode 24 of the Pregactive Podcast as we talk with women's health physiotherapist Beth Scott all about pelvic girdle pain. Hi, I'm Karen, the founder of Pregactive, and through this Pregactive Podcast, I'm going to help you to feel empowered, informed, and confident through your pregnancy and motherhood journey as we talk all things health, mind, and fitness. So here we are, we have Beth Scott, who is our women's health physiotherapist, and we're going to be talking about pelvic girdle pain. It is so common in pregnancy, a big topic, and uh, we're going to nut out a whole lot of different things about it. Before we do, Beth, I'd just love you to do a quick intro. If you haven't met Beth, make sure you go back through our previous podcast because we have several with Beth, so knowledgeable in all these topics. So certainly hear out that just for now, Beth, just a quick intro. Yep. Um, so I've been a physio for the last 13 years and I work in private practice in Melbourne and in a major maternity hospital um, in Melbourne as well. Um, and I, I um, work with women right throughout their pregnancy journey um, and postpartum period as well um, for all their physiotherapy needs. Um, I have a particular interest in pregnancy care, so I see a lot of women with this pelvic girdle pain or low back pain. So um, I'm really looking forward to talking about this one. Yeah, perfect. So just um, a quick summary of what is pelvic girdle pain? So pelvic girdle pain is basically an umbrella term for pain in the um, pelvic region, which in this the instance of um, someone who is pregnant generally will be to do with pain around what's called the sacroiliac joints or the SIJs, which are the two joints at the base of the spine where the pelvis, two pelvic halves join on. Also at the pubic bone at the front called your pubic symphysis, the joint there. Um, and occasionally the pain can spread elsewhere from those areas but can originate from those joints. And that would be what pelvic girdle pain would be um, that I see. Uh, it used to be called pelvic instability, but now it's not a very common term that we use because we're not actually talking about an unstable joint. Um, it's more that it's pain resonating from those areas. And, and that's a really key point too because um, to, if you say pelvic instability, then people freak out and go, okay, well, I have to hold really still and be you know, tense and keep it really stable. And it's like, well, actually... No, not necessarily. Movement is really important. It's just making sure that you do the movement that that works best for you. Yeah, yeah. The, the term instability got blown out of proportion completely to the condition. The we do know that there's a little bit of extra movement that happens in those joints, but nothing that would make it um, clinically unstable. So where it would actually dislocate, that would be an incredibly, incredibly rare 
sort of situation and it's usually more to do with other medical conditions or potentially um, a trauma on the pelvis like a car accident or something like that so we've really gone away from talking about pelvic instability and focused more on the the general term pelvic girdle pain because it's more to do with the area where someone's getting the pain than the mechanism behind the, the the pain itself because it's different for different people Exactly, which leads me to say that there are different degrees of pelvic girdle pain, right? Mm. And I often say to people, as soon as you feel that there's some pain, go and see your healthcare professional, your women's health physiotherapist, to to get a diagnosis, to work out what's happening, and to, to get on top of it quickly. I know with my first, I had pelvic girdle pain arise at around seven, eight weeks, and I knew what was going on straight away, and that was really important for me to get onto it quickly. Um, For this pregnancy, it came in in first trimester again, and I was like, no. (laughs) But I knew that I could monitor it and, and, you know, um, work with it as long as i work with my exercises and my treatments then that's key but Mm. let's talk a bit about yeah the degree so going from oh it sort of annoys me a little bit to i can't walk without pain yeah there's a complete spectrum of this um and i see i see so many different women that don't even one know they're on the spectrum because that's actually the degree of how simple this can be. It can be just a general ache or a pain or a niggle that they've kind of, they're too busy to kind of register. And if I do some particular tests with them and they say, oh yeah, I'd noticed that the other week, but, and it's like, well, technically they're on the spectrum. We don't make a big deal about that sort of situation. And they're particularly the people that need to keep moving, need to keep strong um, and then go about their days, perhaps with a little bit of care. Um, but then I see the other end of the spectrum, which um, can unfortunately for some women end up crutches or even a wheelchair because they're just physically not able to bear weight through their through through their feet because the pain is so so severe, um, and it's highly variable and and it might be transient as well. We see lots of women who one week they'll have shocking pain and really struggling, and then the next week they're totally fine and the reason for their pain might be totally different than your typical pelvic girdle pain um, situation so definitely there's a a, a very big sort of broad broad spectrum of, of what we see with pelvic girdle pain but we know that somewhere around 70 to 80 percent of all women who are pregnant will get some degree of pelvic girdle pain or low back pain and because the number's so high, I think we can we we are so, sort of safe to say that a lot of those women just have something that they kind of self manage and they they do okay. Um, but uh, you're not alone, if, is what I'm trying to say. If, if you are experiencing pain in those areas, and also not to necessarily just accept it either. I feel yeah. like when something's common, people go, "Oh, well, it's normal." Yeah, and it's like, well, it's common. Mm. But it doesn't mean you have to put up with it. If there's things like doing your good exercises or your your back exercises, your core exercises that are going to help you. Mm. Mm. And then there's exercises or movements that obviously aggravate it. And we can certainly talk about both 
the exercises, but also day-to-day activities. You know, I, I get a lot of women who say, oh, in bed, rolling over at night, or, um, or when I get up, when I sit, go from sitting to standing is where I feel the pain. Mm. Um, a lot of women sit with their legs crossed. Mm. Mm. It's definitely something that you don't want to be doing in pregnancy because it's not putting your pelvis in a good position, particularly for the duration of the time that people sit these days. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't like people sitting cross-legged at the best of times, even when they're not pregnant, but that's the physio in me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. It, like there's so many different things that can, can set this off. Um, and for some people, some of those things are totally fine and it doesn't bother them at all, but there's usually there'll be some specific triggers that people are aware of, especially the people that come in and see me, they say, look, Beth, I, just can't do xyz or every time I do this it's just I know I'm going to be paying for it later or 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 whatever whatever their problem seems to be and then there's some people who literally come in and cannot work it out some days one thing works for them the next thing it's totally different and um it could be all of a sudden I got better and I don't know why I wish I knew why because then I'll do it again in case it comes back um so it's it's really variable, really variable, yeah. I, I was one of those. I remember coming to you after I ran. I don't know how many weeks pregnant I was. Um, I didn't go for a run. That would just be silly of me. But I um, I actually had to quickly go get something and yeah. I ran to get it. And that evening I was in so much pain and I think I saw you only a day or two later and I was like, help me. But, <laughs> but I knew and you were like, unless it's life or death, don't run, Karen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because and I have, I have seen women in those circumstances, you know, they just want to, you know, chase after that bus or something so that they can flag it down or quickly get across the road would be another one. Hmm. You know, suddenly the um, the crossing person turns from um, green to red and, and they've got to sort of get across the road really quickly um, and that can be enough to set them off. Um, so, you know, it, it's easily done. It, mm-hmm. it is easily done. So you, you can't beat yourself up, but you've got to learn from those things and sort of recognize okay there's a limit to what this pelvis of mine is going to let me do at whatever stage pregnancy that you're at and again some people can get away with those things there's plenty of women that run through pregnancy um but there's certain women who just can't and it's just it's only a short period of your life but it's just it's not worth it's not no pain no gain it's it really you don't get improvement just by trying to do it more so your body gets used to it it doesn't work like that at all at all and that goes into, let's talk about ag- things that aggravate and also asymmetry mm-hmm. because asymmetrical exercises often can aggravate, not for everybody though. And mm-hmm. look, this is where it's a difficult topic because it's like, well, you can do this, but then you can't do this. But let's mm-hmm. just talk about the things, I guess, that are common yep. that um, generally you know, like lunges and, and things like this? So um, the asymmetrical movement um, that we're talking about here are typically things that can trigger some people whereby you put more pressure on one side of your body compared to the other. So there's some degree of weight shift, so sort of leaning from side to side or there's a stretch of the legs which changes the sort of torsion on the pelvis. 
Um, so asymmetry in its nature is doing one thing with one side of your body that you're not mirroring on the other half of you. So a lunge, as you said, would be a typical example. Um, you've got one knee forwards, the other foot stretched right back behind you. In the presence of pain on the pelvis, what we're, we're seeing is that can be from a little bit of extra movement, but the sensitivity behind that, and I'll talk about that in just a tick. But if you've got that um, extra shift happening on the pelvis or just the pull of the muscles on those attachment points, that can be enough to sort of trigger for some people. Um, so anything along the lines of like stair climbing or if you're out walking, taking too long a steps and really trying to go fast, like crossing the road <laughs> really quickly, um, you could do, you know, rolling in bed. That's pushing one foot, generally speaking, hard down to sort of propel yourself and rotate yourself over. So that's an asymmetrical movement. Um, getting in and out of the car would be another really common one that I see. So usually that would involve a separation of the knees where one foot plants outside the car once the door's open and the other foot then follows. When you sh shift your weight onto that first foot and then sort of launch yourself out of the car and take your other foot at the same time in one swift movement, um, basically that, that pressure is going down really heavily on one side of the foot, which transmits that force up through that side of the pelvis. And, and that would be a typical asymmetrical movement that I would see that could be someone's trigger for pelvic girdle pain. So let's just go back through these. So as an example with the lunges, asymmetrical, because mm -hmm. asymmetry, symmetry, like they're the two opposites. So something that's symmetrical would be a squat. Yep. So yep. squats, particularly a, a narrow squat, is a really good alternative to doing lunges. Yeah, and when you say narrow narrow squat, that's a really important point to make. Um, I wouldn't be launching into, just because it's symmetrical, a big sumo squat because, mm -hmm. um, again, your adductors or the groin muscles that come and attach from the insides of your thighs up onto your pubic bone can pull quite hard on that sensitive area and can trigger the pubic bone side of pain. Um, so try and keep the squats more narrow or more sort of um, in tram tracks so, so um, uh, perpendicular to each other, yeah. sorry, parallel to each other. And when you're getting out of the car, for example, you know, things as simple as just imagine you're wearing a mini skirt yeah. and yeah. swivel your way around. One tip was uh, that to put a garbage bag. Yeah. So you're sitting on a garbage bag or a bag or something that has some rotation to it. So then you can easily just twist both yeah. feet together, both knees facing out yes. and then hop your way down. And that, that can be just a simple solution. Yep, yep. And I always joke about this, but in all seriousness, it's not the worst thing to have in the car anyway, especially if you're thinking um, if there's suddenly a reason to rush off to hospital, you don't want your orders breaking in your car or in your car seats. So having a garbage bag in your car serves two reasons. Just leave it in the glove box or just have it there ready. Um, if you're someone who's getting pelvic girdle pain, you can use it to get in and out of the car to reduce your friction, but then at least it's there and you'll thank yourself when you're in a mad rush and everyone's thinking about bags and, and um, wallets and iPhone chargers and all sorts of things. You've got your plastic bag, so if your waters break, it won't ruin your car seats. That's a great tip. There we go. Women do this. It's so important. And, and rolling over in bed. So I have 
the other pillow. So you know how often you have two pillows, one you sleep on and the other one just is decorative and then you're like, okay, what do I do with this when I'm actually needing to sleep? For me, it goes between my knees and my ankles. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people just grab something to put between their knees and then their ankles end up touching and they still have pain as they roll through. So for me, and this works, is that I, when I need to roll over in bed, I do my movement, I do it slow enough, and I literally just slide the pillow rather than having to try to roll with it. Mm-hmm. That works for me because if I had to roll with the pillow and there was no doona or anything on top of me it might be easier but when you're trying to do something and there's the weight of all your blankets and everything on top of you I I find it quite hard to do so sliding it between them works for me Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've got any other tips yeah rolling in bed's a really hard one and it's so variable um I usually rattle off a whole heap of different ones and a lot of people will come back and go none of them worked if you got anything else (laughs) Um, because it's more that you've probably been stagnant before you go to roll. Um, and, uh, that's a really common thing that we see if you've been still for a little while and then sort of go to shift, um, then that's when a lot of people get their pain. Um, but if something's going to work generally, it will be, um, by the way, if you've just got two pillows, I see a lot of women with like a fortress around them because they've got their belly. Um, I don't just have, yeah, I've got everything <laughs> um, there. There's a lot to manoeuvre over. Um, but usually it would be, again, log rolling would be one. Try almost not to use your legs. Use your arms. Now, that's very hard late in, you know, third trimester um but using your arms to you know push on your bedside table and you know grab onto your fitted sheet and roll yourself sort of that way um but that might only work sort of earlier on um try and keep your knees together as best as you can like you said the 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 weight of your blanket on top of you makes it unnecessarily challenging so take that off roll and then put it back on um would be key some don't worry actually, about your partner complaining about waking them up don't worry about that don't, no. <laughs> um but tell tell them that you need their help to roll over <laughs> um so the other one that i was thinking of was you can actually reverse roll so say you're lying on your left side rather than going chest facing up to get over to the other side and roll over you can actually um take yourself up onto all fours going the other way um, and then end up facing the other direction. Um, for some women that works. Again, Sleeping is so much fun in pregnancy, isn't it? Sorry, what was that? So sleeping is so much fun in pregnancy. Oh, yeah. it's, it's a circus, <laughs> it really is. Um, but, you know, that's not going to be a foolproof method, but for some people it works. So um, it's trying to lessen the load, try and make it easier on yourself Try and, um, you know, keep it as simple as you can. Um, and, you know, and, and even, and this is a little trick that I've got for, you know, when you go to get up off the couch as well, um, if you're, if you've been there for a while, so say it's the end of the day and you're watching some telly and you go to get up to get a drink or go to the toilet um, and you've been sitting for quite a while, that's, that's stag, that being stagnant often needs those muscles to sort of activate and fire up again. And the same thing can happen when you're rolling if you've been, you know, asleep on one side or on one side for a little while. So you want to activate 
draw on your your glutes so clench your bottom muscles you might want to draw your belly button into your spine don't hold your breath um you might be thinking oh gosh i'll hold my breath and hope it goes fast (laughs) um but you want to you want to sort of gently activate those muscles even on and off a few times before you actually do stand up or roll Um, and that can take the edge off the pain a little bit for some people too Exactly. And that leads me into talking about glutes, because if you can imagine your pelvis as your body is adjusting in your pregnancy, there's this hormone relaxant, which, you know, is there right from the start in first trimester. I think a lot of people don't realize that the hormone shift is so big, even in first trimester. So as your pelvis is expanding, there's the laxity through the ligaments, which are what helps to support and hold you know, bones together. And so when there's this laxity and then if you, as you said, if you've been sitting for a long period of time, your glutes are sort of, you know, being deactivated. And then if you need to do a quick movement, the body's taking a little bit longer to then switch on. So glute exercises are really key, aren't they, in Mm, maintenance of pelvic girdle pain? Yeah, I do a lot of glute work. Um, particularly for the supporting of the muscles, but also to take the load off other muscles. So the glute max should be the biggest body, uh, sorry, the biggest muscle in the body. And if we're not activating that muscle, we're missing out on a really big, powerful um, driver of um, hip extension or or, or opening up and, and standing up straight. So if you're coming up from a seat and you're not using your glutes, you're using other muscles like more than what they're anatomically designed to do the glutes should be helping in those those instances so the more support the more efficient you are when you go to move as well so um, I do glute muscle activations and, and strengthening with my pregnant women all day long because it has such a benefit to their changing body you talk about the relaxin hormone in the first trimester. Um, what we know more now with the research that expands upon that is that it's actually the sensitivity that increases as well. So um, it's not relative, the amount of relaxin that you have circulating in your body as to the degree of potential disability that you have in your joints or like pain-wise. It's the fact that you're actually very sensitive to the um to pain stimulus so your your brain is on hyperdrive trying to detect any threats that there are to you and obviously your baby that's what that's what your brain is wired to do when you're pregnant so if if it exaggerates the pain as horrible as it is it's trying to sort of cocoon you almost um, so that you're taking care in what you're doing and how you're going about your day so that's important to know as well um, and obviously as the trimesters sort of roll on your tummy as it grows the abdominal muscle support around your pelvis becomes less favorable so the the distance for example that your abdominal muscle wall has to stretch over makes the um the control around the pelvis more difficult to do. So that feeds into um, this sensitivity, which can drive pelvic girdle pain for some people. So it's a really complex condition um, and that it can present itself very early on or literally in the last week um, or on and off for for the entire pregnancy. Um, 
but it's it's complex in that it can be triggered by so many different things like the movements we're talking about um but also even just baby position can make a huge difference on this sort of thing as well which you've got absolutely no control over and they're often the women who have the sudden changes in their pain levels regardless of what they've been doing or what they haven't been doing. Um, so it's it's a really sort of complex condition to treat, which is probably why I like doing it so much. Um, but it's it's the you've got to take care with your body because it's sending you messages all the time and um, trying to listen to what your body's telling you and, and, and being careful with how, especially from first trimester, even though you've you probably, if you're not feeling unwell, you probably don't really feel pregnant. You know, there's nothing to really show for it um, for, for a few weeks. So you've just got to take care with, with how you're moving your body particularly. Exactly. And and keeping that, that maintenance on, which is really important. I feel like every pregnant woman needs to do glute strengthening, but also stretch and release. And that release can be through treatments, um, which is so essential, but also get a massage ball, get a foam mm-hmm. roller. These yep. things, you know, don't cost much compared to, um, you know, having no pain throughout the rest of your pregnancy and just make it a daily thing that you get the massage ball, you find a piece of wool and you just roll on it. Um, I know we put together a pelvic girdle pain exercises, just five, five minutes worth of just doing it, it, you know, some pelvic presses on the couch or on your bed, these sort of things. It's something I do daily. And if I don't, I definitely notice the difference. And I think that's definitely a motivator for me. Um, you don't want to have to necessarily have pain as a motivator Mm. to, uh, you know, make sure that you do your exercises. So if you don't have pain, do your pelvic presses, (laughs) you know, do, do these exercises, do your, um, you know, glute stretches, do your uh, massage ball, all of this really helps. So thank you so much for your time today. I think this is a really good topic, a really common one, and um, one we certainly want to make sure a lot of women know about. Yep, definitely. Thank you. Ah, some great tips there from women's health physiotherapist Beth Scott and I'm going to put in the show notes a link to a video that is helpful for you if you've got pelvic girdle pain, just some simple five-minute exercises that are all about activating the glutes and really taking care of your body. For all those details, head over to pregactive.com for the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Pregactive Podcast. We love hearing from you. So leave us a comment or a review. And hey, even request a future podcast when you head over to the show notes at pregactive.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with a friend because the more the merrier. See you next time.